This is the War Room Roundtable Podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Lanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Evan, thank you so much for stopping by to War Room Moments. Uh, it's, it's good to have you on here. And, uh, you know, I just learned a little something today. Uh, so it's Javanicus, correct? Uh, that's, uh, that's the way you spell your name. Uh, and for me, that was a great learning moment because one of my other friends also had it. Um, but I was always like, ah, I don't want to mess it up, <laughs> you know, but I, I think it's, I think it's in taking those courageous steps of like being wrong and iterating as fast as possible and learning that things take place where you grow. And what we're going to be talking about today is very, very aligned with that. And, uh, obviously I've got Jason here, uh, my fellow host bringing war room moments together where we have a conversation about going to war but just a different kind of war, one that happens in business every day. And currently, the battle is five mistakes even senior leaders make when managing hybrid employees and what they should be doing instead. So uh, if you don't mind, I want to start off by first going a little bit into some of your own background before we get into the meat and potatoes of that. And uh, if that's okay with you, we can start there by letting you just sort of break down what it is you do. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Chanana. And uh, with all these things that are happening, that is happening in the world, I mean, let's hope that we only have business wars, not real wars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, which they are more exciting and it's good for everyone. So what I do, um, I am an executive coach. And so I work with managers and leaders and CEOs. And at the same time, I'm a strategic consultant of a uh, broker in Australia. And at the same time, I'm a part-time lecturer at the uh, university, at the EU Business School in Geneva. Um, I like to call myself a practitioner, not a theorist. So, um, you, know, I, you know, I don't like to, you know, I can't tell you something I don't know. So whatever we talk today, when I share my ideas, when I teach, when I coach, it's based on my practical experience. I studied in the UK and Switzerland. And then after that, I had my, I opened my own company in the UK when I was 25. It was a sales agency. So at that time, I was managing around 35 self-employed um, salespeople. And we had contracts with some of the big names like um, American Express at the, t- at the time, Empower, which is an energy company. Um, and different other companies, and we did. We were like a BPO, a, pre, a business process outsourcing company. We would sell on their behalf. So I did this for seven years, and um, coming out of you know coming out of, um, of of university straight away, it gave me an opportunity to really understand people work really hard. It was a commission only you know uh, a commission only job. So when you're dealing with so many different kind of people, both internally and externally both with employees as well as with clients i think it gives you a lot of you know it toughens your skin because you know in a sales job in a communication job 95 percent of people say no 
So, you know, if you're a young graduate, I think sales is a very good thing to do because you, you, you practically learn how to read people and it doesn't, it doesn't only help you at your work, it also helps you with your family. And at the same time, you know, it toughens your skin. You're not afraid of rejection. You're learning communication, body language, mirroring, um, you know, people um, and all that. So I did this for seven years. Great, great school. Um, great school. We did really well. And then an opportunity came and, and I sold the company. You know, a big company came and they, they bought the, the infrastructure, the know-how and all that. And then I was headhunted. I moved to Europe. I moved to Cyprus. Um, I had a bit of enough, I think, of the, of the lovely British weather. And I moved to Cyprus um, in Europe, where I actually currently am. I spend my time between Europe, Cyprus and Singapore. Um, and after I was headhunted to, to work with a financial broker in order to um, expand their presence in Southeast Asia. So because I had that background, knowledge, that knowledge of people management, opening offices, sales, training, coaching, you know, pushing sales, managing people, all that, I helped the company. We expanded quite rapidly. Um, we opened offices in Vietnam, Malaysia, Indonesia, Singapore, Thailand, and Sydney. And I did this for five years. And since then, I, um, I did other things. I, since then, I, I, you know, I use my knowledge, my practical knowledge, and I work with, uh, with leaders, CEOs, managers, on you know, the scaling companies, managing people and all that. And I'm a believer that, you know, it's that the manager um, customer is not the customer. The manager customer is the employee. And, um, you know, I've seen companies that are, they have a great product, but internally the culture is toxic or they don't know how to manage people, emotions, hiring, firing, and they can't scale. And at the same time, I've seen companies, and I work with companies with a very mediocre product comparing to the competition, but they're doing really well because they know how to manage people. Performance reviews, the right, you know, the right remunerations in place, right hiring, right firing right company culture and all that. So, um, so, you know, I'm really excited, you know, about helping, helping people develop and scale their department or their company. And I think what we're going through right now over the last couple of years is, um, is an opportunity for all. I know it's a challenge for a lot, but I think it's an opportunity for all to, you know, to change the way we manage and to change the way we run companies. Because I do believe, you know, while we are not in control of the change that is happening, we are in control in the way we leverage this change that is right for us and that is right for the people, for our employees, for our staff. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. It, um, it makes me think, I think uh, Jason has had a lot of experience uh, specifically also because he works in scale in companies with uh, with teams across the board. He might have a question or two or a point or two he wants to add to that, Jason. Yeah, yeah. So you look at, look at our environment that we're in today, right? With, uh, I don't know if it's a world environment right now, but everybody kind of seems to follow what we're doing um, a lot of times. And that environment shifted and it shifted all the way to affect almost every single process that's in every single company, right? All the way from how a company acquires clients, all the way, how do they, how they receive referrals, their internal processes and procedures, all of it shifted. And it shifted 
not not necessarily because of the economy, but um, because of people. Um, the fact is, is that uh, it, it's a ridiculous number. It's it's over sixty some percent of companies that hire a Gen Z. Sixty percent of them take the job and then they don't show up on the first day. It's crazy. It's an astonishing number, right? Is it really so, right? I thought that was only in Asia because in Asia we have that a lot. Like, in yeah. order for me to hire one person, I need to 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 have like you know like hundred and twenty CV. Wow, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. And so, comp- one of my other companies is a staffing agency. So um, we kind of keep our finger on the pulse of what it takes. And we'll interview two to 300 people just to find four or five candidates that can be interviewed for a job. Right? So, so all of these things have shifted. And here's the important thing about it. We either shift with it as a CEO of a company or you're dead. It's just that simple period. Yeah. Oh man. So at what point did you figure out that working directly with the CEOs was going to be the best way to impact that as opposed to approaching any other angle of the structure itself? Well, you know, it's, it's, first of all, they have the purchasing power and, you know, second, second, and and second, they make, they, you know, they make a decision. And, um, and, you know, as Jason said, people shifted, you know, it's like even clients, you know, in some industries, clients nowadays are showing, they have so much information that you really need to be on your toes. And you see, you're telling me people, they're not even turning up at work. So, you know, we just spoke off the record about the great resignation is probably a great reevaluation of what do people want to do. And I mean, you don't, it's not only, okay, to scale a company, it's not only the people. I mean, there are a lot of factors, you know, product, marketing, competition, lobbying, partners, and politics, and who do you know, and all that. But at the end of the day, it's people that will, you know, drive the business forward. Like, you know, one of my clients actually is in the U.S., and you know what he did during the lockdowns in, in his state? He converted the, one of the conference rooms in his office into a school. So he hired a teacher, a, a retired teacher. So the, his staff don't have to worry where, what will my kids do because the schools are closed. So they'll bring their kids. Brilliant, right? Mm-hmm. They'll, bring, wow. they'll, bring their, they'll bring their kids to work. The, the, you know, the, the teacher will take care of them. Lunch was provided and all that for eight, nine hours. So the parents will not have to worry about. So productivity was up. Um, the parents will not have to worry about. And... In the community that went around in the community fast, so that helped him a lot with his that helped him a lot with his branding. I mean, he okay, he paid he paid for the teacher and the food and everything, but it's it's a mindset thing, you know. While some other while some other probably managers say, okay, you, I don't know, you just work from home and I, I don't know what you're gonna do, and it's your problem and all that. So, and that's one of the things that we talk about, like one of them things that I see that is happening a lot is the number one mistake, you know, as we spoke, is that the, 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 the manager or the boss or the business owner, I mean, depends how big or small is the company, the number one mistake they do is they don't trust their own employee. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a big one. And 
for me, hearing the story about someone coughing up the money to pay for a teacher, they're now at a competitive advantage because now their workforce is not worried about anything at all. And so they can really focus on business during a time when the world was going crazy and people didn't know what they were going to do. That's strategic right there. That is how you win. So with that said, and you mentioned the first one, which is uh, no trust being built. Can you sort of elaborate on the, the overview of the next couple of, and then dive in deeper? Yeah, the look, the first one, yeah, the, the, the other one that I see as well is they don't have clear policies. Okay, it's fine. You know, if you want to let people work hybrid or remote, but you need to have policies, that's another one. Another one is what I see is like they don't have set working hours. Um, so when we talk about trust, I mean, it's, it, don't get me wrong, it's normal, but the question that went through everyone's mind um, when first time people had to work from home back in, I don't know, was March, April 2020, is the question that went through managers' mind was that, are they really working when they are working from home? Yeah. I mean, are they watching Netflix? Or, are, and, and I mean, what can you do? I mean, are you going to go or are you going to do... You know, are you gonna are you gonna tell your employees or just install that app so at the end of the day I can monitor what websites you went on? I mean, I mean, yeah. you know. So, so uh, I think look at the end of the day, good managers trust people of where they are, and I think it's it's couple of things. Number one, if you hire good people at the beginning, and then you build good management structure to give them direction for what needs to be done, then you need to kind of trust that they will live up to those expectations. But, you know, hiring good people, it's easy for me to say, to sit here and Zoom call and, you know, hiring good people, building structures and empowering people is it, it, challenging. I understand and it takes time. But this is how it should be done. And that's good for CEOs because you avoid micromanagement and you avoid stressing out so i think rather than monitoring people what time they clock in clock out i think the focus should be task when can you do the tasks and by when and i don't care if you work three o'clock at night or nine o'clock in the morning and we're talking in a normal working environment i mean i'm not talking about nurses and military staff and and live chat customer support that they have to clock in clock out but if you have seo guys or marketing guys or it guys you know, the performance should be, you know, on what can you do? Can you do the job that I want you to do by then? And I don't really care what time you do it. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this is there's been a big shift here in the States with exactly what you're talking about to where, um, you know, I have remote workers and they, they have a very specific set of things that they do every day, Right. As long as those things get done, don't care if you're golfing by two. All right. A lot of the eight hour clock in clock out stuff, people just aren't, companies aren't following that as much now as the traditional, well, let me sit in my cube for eight hours and stare at my computer when I really only have about four hours of work to do. Um, Cause it's nobody ever in their life can ever say, they went to work and literally worked for eight hours, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just not really the case. Um, and I think everybody knows that it was just COVID drove this shift of, 
you know, it's about getting the work done. It's not about being a clock Nazi anymore. Right. And I'm sure there's plenty that still are, but, but uh, a lot of companies have shifted their focus. Big corporations even have shifted their focus to this more results-based work. Right. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, hopefully after listening to this conversation, they take the hint that uh, you need to change it up if you're still doing that. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, if, if your industry allows you, if you're in, you know, in professional services or if you are in, uh, I don't know, like financial services and all that, of course, if you have a factory or if you have a mining field is different, but, uh, it, but especially in, you know, say in sales, like in sales roles or business development roles, you know, when I hire sales people, I tell them, listen, you find your way to, to bring business and I don't care as long as it's legal and there are no <laughs> conflict of interest and there is no conflict of interest and you do the right thing. Do you want to find partners that are going to bring clients? Do you want to find, find clients yourself? Do you want to develop different channels? I said, I don't mind. I said, you are responsible for the process. Yeah. Right? Because if I hire you, Unless you're really junior, if I hire you and I tell you what to do as well, I might as well not hire you. Yeah. I mean, especially with sales, what's the point of getting somebody who isn't going to go out of their own way to develop their own process to bring, because that, that's really what it is at the end of the day. That's why sales can accomplish so much for someone's career. You mentioned earlier in the call, if you recommended anything to anyone who's a young graduate or just starting out or is focused on sales, you can learn a lot from that. You stand by that, right? Yeah, it worked for me. It worked for me really because it allowed me to understand people, to, to set the foundations, to, you know, it's not a glamorous job. You will get a lot of rejection and you know, in sales, you know, it's like the Pareto rule, 20% of people, 80%, they will, uh, you know, in any company, and, you know, 80% of people who cannot handle sales and cannot handle rejection. But uh, I think in sales is one of those things, the one that stays positive longer wins. <laughs> so, um, you know, because it allows you really to understand people and to, to toughen your skill. And so this, like, I don't know if you know, but in, in, in Portugal right now, we talk about time, you know, in Portugal, uh, the government made it illegal to, you, you're not allowed to text or email or call your staff outside of working hours. Yeah. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah. I remember, I remember hearing about that. I think it was on Twitter and I thought to myself, well, yeah, although I've also heard the opposite in America where people are getting emails at you know, midnight and expected to respond. <laughs> That's know, crazy. Was, really, yeah, it's crazy. And I remember like 10 years ago when I was in England, the way I used to manage people is different from now. I was really rah, 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 on your face, um, high five, let's go. And But it worked. I don't know. The economy was different. People were different. Everything was different. Now, if you do that, you're a little bit like, yeah, I don't want to work here. Like, <laughs> That's so true. Oh my God. It's so true. And I mean, like you, I, I, I believe everybody should like, if you're going to own a company, right. You're a new company owner. Cutting your teeth in sales is, is something every, every business owner should go through. Um, I cut some of my first teeth by doing all my own sales stuff. And you just learn a lot about people, right? 
you learn about people, you learn about how people think, um, you learn how to, uh, you know, like you said, the, the nose, right? All the nose, they really toughen you up a little bit and they give you a different perspective on it. Um, like for me this year, this is the year of yes for me. I say yes to everything, almost everything. I mean, I'm not going to jump off a bridge or something, but I mean, (laughs) (laughs) if, uh, if somebody wants to talk or discuss or whatever the case may be, everything is yes. Just opens doors. Yeah, man. I need to, I need to get my own year of what I need to figure that out. Evan, do you have, do you have a goal that you're pursuing this year? This year, this year, I have I have a few goals, kind of personal attached to attached work business because I have some properties that I'm looking to rent out, and uh, that's another business, not big, but it's additional income, additional stream of income, and um, another thing is I want to close some partnerships that were just opening up with some universities, and you see, it's an interesting thing with universities. You know, um, they are looking for. Well, they are more interested than before for people to come in with practical experience. Yeah, the academic is there. But I spoke with a few deans and they say, yes, the academics are there and they will never go away. But it says in order for us to add value to our students, to prepare them for real life, we really want practitioners to come in and teach practical things like leadership, sales, communication and all that. Wow. And another thing I wanted to share, what you said about yes, is like with, with online meetings, what I've noticed I'm doing it myself and also I'm discussing it and suggesting it to some of my clients is to have less of online mass meetings and have more one-on-one. Because yeah. like if you're in a face-to-face environment and you have your weekly, I don't know, 10, 20 people, you know, board conference meeting, it's okay, even somebody, someone is not engaged, but you can kind of bring them back or it's more interactive face-to-face. Like, But if you do it online, it's more challenging. By nature, some people, will, not the subject should not kind of apply or to all. So I, I've seen myself, I'm doing less bigger meetings and more one-on-ones with specific points. So I think that quite saved me a lot of time because I know if I do a, more online larger meetings um the the subject would not resonate with everyone so i'll do let's say my monthly big meeting with all for example to tell about what we're achieving what are the challenges what we want to do next whatever and then i do more like one-on-ones like and sometimes ad hoc like you know like in one hour i've noticed something let's jump on a call yeah no I'm actually interested in, because of the practicality you bring to things, I'm interested, is there a moment maybe in the last uh, two years that you faced a challenge, as we all did, uh, with reassigning whatever our infrastructure was going to be you yourself and how you sort of overcame, you know, you coach C-suite executives, there had to be some shift, I imagine, because all of them are in panic, so that immediately affected or impacted what you were going to do. Um, how did you overcome that? Was it a mindset thing? Was it all those years in sales? Uh, what are some things that you can share? Yeah. Look, for me, I think my mind, look, for me, my mindset is, 
is I think I have a strong like not a strong mindset, but I don't really need mental health like training, for example, or like I think my mindset is quite strong, so I don't really need to focus on that. I'm, I'm I think I'm quite self-aware. I think sometimes what I need to focus on, I tell you, is sometimes I procrastinate. So what back to your question, I think my mindset it was okay, but I really need to kind of, for example, use technology more. Like, especially if you have like hybrid teams, you can't really rely on emails because emails get lost. So you really need to kind of have a project management system. I don't know, Monday.com or Atlassian or something. So rather than, you know, doing all that back and forth, I say, you train your people, this is the system, this is the project. This is where you need to record your work every day. I'm not going to monitor you. I'm just going to log in and see what you did. And then you tag people and everybody is responsible for their own action. And, you know, and, and, and there is no point, you know, calling people, what are you doing? Are you working? You just see, you know, and if you notice that somebody is really quiet, you know, you just give them a call and you say, hey, what's going on? So that's number one. I had to use technology more. Um, Mindset, okay. Uh, technology more and more, really. I think training, you know, that's one thing. So one was technology, the IT part, the technical part, to give me to give me the tools as a manager to see what is going on, to assign roles, projects, and all that. And the other was kind of training, like train train my people um, on how to, for example, do performance reviews, on how to monitor their staff, and kind of keep them accountable and all that. Um, because I think, you know, if you, if you train, if you manage your people, like to manage people, it's kind of, you know, then they can, they'll be able to manage the clients. So it was IT, technology, and then kind of people training and all that. So um, just because you're not there every day. And also, you know, that's, yeah, you're not there every day, but what's the opportunity? The opportunity now is, why do you want to spend so much money in a big office? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes the office was just a set of walls and an internet. Well, you can have the same at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the biggest And why do you there. want to commute an hour and an hour back? Like sometimes I have an office in Jakarta. It's like a 20 million city with around. It's like, you know, sometimes, you know, to be in the office at nine, you need to wake up at six or 530. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's another opportunity now because yeah now you can recruit people globally you can have an it well you could but yeah you could have an it thing in ukraine or a customer support or a, a thing in the philippines or a, a, a developer in mexico yeah the world has definitely changed for that and I mean, I feel like I could keep asking more questions because of the work that you do is so global in a sense you know it's 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 connected to so many places but because of the time we have, I, I know that now it's time to shift it to two things. And uh, it's, uh, it's about rolling out the red carpet for you to let people know uh, where they can connect with you and uh, preferably like with a social channel, email, you know, whatever. And then I have one final question. And I don't know if Jason wants to ask or you want me to ask Jason. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's all you. All right. All right. All right. So we'll have one final question after that. <laughs> but uh, Evan, go ahead and let people know, like, where can they, where do you prefer for them to connect with you? And what do you want um, them to know? Yeah, I'm not really active on all this um, Instagram and all, but uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite active there. If you can put my name, my name, Evan Givanakis, T-Z-I-V-A-N-A-K-I-S, you'll be able to find me. You can also drop me an email, evan at executivecoachasia 
www.yasia.com. And okay. why Asia? This is where I started my coaching business. So I gave it a name and for SEO purposes as well. So what's <laughs> the final question? I'm waiting for your final question. Yeah. So the final question, it's, it's, it's more of a ritual here. And that is, uh, Evan, if you could have invited anybody today to sit here and be the fourth person on this call, listening to your journey, you know, how you started, uh, the growth you had and how you started to travel and, and, and what that did for your business and, and how you expanded from Asia Forward and how you got to a place where now you're coaching executives and some things that you've noticed. Like if you could have anybody sit there and listen to that and maybe even join the conversation, ideally, who would you have wished was here today and why? Wow, that's a, yeah, that's a good, I've never thought about this. Um, <laughs> you mean a person or a group yeah. of people? It could it, be anything. Anything, anything. You could say, you know, so for reference, some people have said things like, I wish my grandfather was here or, you know, I wish my kids would have listened to this. Or, you, you know what I mean? So some people say Oprah. <laughs> so you can't, mm-hmm. there's no wrong answer. Got, we've got yeah, everything yeah. Well, from think, Jesus yeah, no, to Gandhi I, to you name it. no i think i would invite you know i would invite a group of you know newly promoted managers um this kind of kind of group you know this that maybe they just got promoted to the first leadership role and they're not sure of what they want to do and um and they feel a little bit uncertain and all that so i think that would be um the ideal audience um, in order for me to share my experience. And, you know, I, I share what I went through from my experience, you know, with people skills, with listening, with a sales background, with managing people, managing emotions and all that. So this, this would be, I think, the, the group of people that uh, would be good. Not for me. I mean, that's why I don't want to say famous person. Not about me. It's about them. You know, if I could, if they could take something away, you know, a couple of points. So eventually they can improve their career. They can improve their work and at the same time, improve others people's work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Committed entirely to the work that you do. I get, I, I see the vibe that, that says a lot about the way you view your work and how, how much on the other side of being inside your client's shoes, you really are. Uh, that says a lot about the way you run your business. Uh, even just giving that answer, the DNA of, well, look, I'd like to think about myself, but right now I'm thinking about my clients because that's what I'm here to do. It says a lot. So I'm really grateful that you took thought into answering that. Uh, it, it says a lot. And I'm very grateful to have been able to sort of learn what the world of coaching is like, especially on the other side of the world. You know what I mean? So uh, with that, those are all my questions. I don't know if Jason, you have anything else before we wrap this up? No, just just to say that uh, you know we got we all have the same 168 hours a week, and uh, thanks for coming on and sharing this hour with us um, and our audience. Uh, lots of little nuggets in there, but you got to pay attention to them. That's the key, right? <laughs> if you don't, if you don't grab them, they can't help you. So yeah. anyway, thank thank you very much for being on the show. And uh, appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Evan. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Right on. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com 
to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.